Hello, and welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Mineola Bible Institute with Dr. Larry Yates. The message you are about to hear, if diligently applied, will absolutely change your life. So grab your Bible, notebook, and pen, and get ready to take notes, because I'm praying that the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, thereby allowing the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. You got pain, he's a pain if you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom, save it. He's a prison shaking savior. If you got chains, he's a chain breaker. Well, glory, blessings, and greetings in the mighty name of Jesus. We're continuing our basic course in divine healing with the subject matter, Seven Questions of Divine Healing. We've looked at already uh, around the question, does God heal? We looked at who does God heal? Today, we're going to talk about the question, when does God heal? And I want to just simply start off by taking us to Scripture and asking the question, when does God promise to heal? Well, first of all, He promises to heal when you pray. Mark eleven twenty four says it this way, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, that would include healing, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. That's Mark 11, verse 24. Secondly, Jesus has promised to heal when you believe. Again, Mark 11, uh, chapter 11. We'll look at verses 22 through 24. And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Third time that God promises to heal is when you pray for others. We see this in James 5.16, which simply says, Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And lastly, when you call for the elders and they pray over you the prayer of faith, James 5:14 and 15 uh, says it this way, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Notice, the elders must pray the prayer of faith not the prayer of doubt and unbelief. And I say that because 
in many of our churches today, in many of our religious backgrounds, it's very uncommon to hear the prayer of faith. So this verse also says that if you have committed sins, they will be forgiven. Unforgiven sin will not hinder your healing, but once you are healed, you should, quote, go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Very important. Let me ask you a question. When did healing become a fact? Well, this is where we go and look at the atonement. Matthew 8, 17 says of the, uh, the situation that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. This verse was applied to Jesus, yet it refers to events and healings that took place before the atonement. So uh, if you go to Isaiah 53, Isaiah chapter 53, starting in verse 4, it says, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Verse 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. What about that brazen serpent in the wilderness? Do you remember back um, in your studies uh, when Israel was murmuring and complaining against God and the Lord sent serpents in amongst them? They would bite the people and the people would die. The Lord commanded them to lift up a brazen serpent. Let's look at that. First, let's, let's prove that Jesus linked himself to the brass serpent that Moses lifted up in the wilderness. We see this in John 3, uh, John chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Here we see Jesus using the brazen serpent as an example and a shadow or type of how he himself would be lifted up. Now let's see what effect raising the brazen serpent in the wilderness had on the people of God. We should also uh, point out that the reason the people were attacked by serpents was because they had sinned. Their sin was complaining. Could this be why so many people in the church today are sick? Have they complained and have not repented? Um, Look in Numbers chapter 21, verse 4. Numbers chapter 21, verse 4, and we'll go through verse 9. It says in verse 4, And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom, and the souls of the people was much discouraged because of the way. Notice, they became discouraged because of their hard journey. Most people today would say they had a reason to complain. They were discouraged and things were not going well. But God still counted it as sin. Look in verse 5. And the people spake against God and against Moses. 
Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread, speaking of the manna that they were eating that God had so graciously uh, provided for them. The sin that caused so many to die was that they spake against God and his appointed leader. Look in verse 6. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he may take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. Verse 8. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass, and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Now, the scripture says that God, quote, sent the fiery serpents. I've heard some people say, try to explain away this verse, trying to protect God's image. Some say sent in the Hebrew is in the permissive tense, which would mean that God allowed the fiery serpents to attack them. Now, I have no real problem with that, but that would also imply that the sowing of sin would also cause a reaping of the consequences, which is a biblical principle. But the fact is that even if God did literally sin the fiery serpents, the consequences of sin, he would still be just because the people did sin. The righteous judge has a right to judge righteously. This would also show how willing God is to forgive and heal once the sinner repents. One more thing we're going to look at, just, we're just going to touch on this, the wine and the bread. At communion, there are two emblems or symbols in communion, the wine or the blood and the bread or the body. If physical healing wasn't a part of the atonement, we would not need the bread which represents his body. Hey, listen, thank you for joining me today in this series. I hope you're enjoying it, and I hope you'll share it with others. Don't forget to subscribe uh, to the videos and get notifications of each new weekly video, and give it a thumbs up if you will. May the Lord richly bless you, and always remember, you can do it if you believe you can. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. What a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a wonderful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a
We trust this message from the Word of God has been a blessing to you and made you think. If you need further information, you can find us on the web at MineolaBibleInstitute.org. That's MineolaBibleInstitute.org. Don't forget to look for us on Facebook, or you may write to us at Dr. Larry Yates, 738 Goodson Circle, Mineola, Texas, 75773. Whether it's a question, prayer request, or praise report, we want to hear from you. If you have enjoyed this message, don't forget to subscribe and join us each week for more Time in the Word. Thank you for joining me, and don't forget, read your Bible, read it slow, read every word, and read it like you've never read it before. Now go and have a blessed day in Jesus' mighty name.